This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about real-world leadership solutions. Whether you're a seasoned leader or just starting out, I promise to give you practical leadership tips that you can use this week. No matter what your leadership situation is, I can help. Remember that every follower needs a healthy leader. My passion is to help leaders lead more effectively. Welcome to today's show. You're listening to episode number three, six important traits of leaders that people love to follow. And let me just say again, a disclaimer about the name, the Leadership Answer Man. It's not because I claim to be a perfect leader. I have done more things wrong than I did right in my career of leadership over the last 30 years, but I do have 30 years of experience in real-world leadership, and I know where to find the answers if I don't have them. I want to talk today about six important traits of leaders that people love to follow. I've said before, there is not one secret, not one key to being a perfect leader. There is no such thing as a perfect leader. There's not a key to being a great leader because leadership is complicated. It's a combination of who you are, who the people that are following you, who you work with, uh, the culture of the company that you're working with, uh, or the organization or the ministry, and, and the whole context. In fact, if you were in a dying industry or a situation plagued with failure, then you have huge challenges turning it around no matter who you are. Leadership is a combination of the leader, the follower, and the situation. But what I want to share with you today are six really important traits or characteristics that people really appreciate in their leader. Here's what I'll cover in today's show. The six important traits of leaders that people love to follow, a recommended book for the show, and a fun, actionable item, a project that you can do to test your own uh, sense of where you're at in these six traits that I'm going to share with you. If you go to my uh, podcast website, leadershipanswerman.com, and see the show notes, you'll notice that I have put a picture on my show notes of uh, that was taken of me in Africa a couple of years ago. I love this picture, and if you're just listening to the podcast and you don't see the picture, imagine me. I'm a tall guy. I'm over six feet tall. I have gray hair, and I'm walking through this African village with the little mud huts, and I'm being followed by a throng of little kids. So here's the question. Why are these kids following me? Are they following me because I'm a great leader? No, they're following me out of pure curiosity. If you think you're a leader and nobody's following you, you're really only taking a walk. In this case, we were uh, visiting this village. We were doing a project to help some of the folks uh, uh, in this village with medical needs and clean water. And uh, I think they were following me for two reasons. Number one, they very rarely ever see a big white man walking through their village. And number two, they were thinking, maybe this guy has some... uh candy for us so let's just see uh, what's going on because hey nothing really exciting goes on too too much in our village anyway i love leadership and the topic of leadership because leaders make things happen as i said on my uh, beginning show if you happen to have listened to that i define leadership with one word the word influence there is no key to perfect leadership But there are some important traits, and that's what we want to talk about today. Not one key, but what I call six important characteristics or traits of the kind of leaders that people really love to follow. Number one, the trait of reluctance. 
Reluctant leaders make great leaders. In my travels around the world, one of the most amazing people I ever met was Mother Teresa in India and in Calcutta. When I visited Calcutta before she died, uh, you know Mother Teresa won the Nobel Prize for pre Peace for her efforts and what she did in not only in India but around the world to um, uh, eradicate misery, to help the poor and suffering an amazing person. I went to Calcutta. I have to say it's one of the most miserable cities I've ever visited because of the squalor that went on forever. Mile after mile after mile of people living in the streets, living in boxes, open sewers. The stench was unbelievable. And I thought I could spend my whole life in this city and try to help do some good. And it would be like putting my finger in the ocean and displacing water. It was a helpless feeling, and then I went to the uh, Sisters of Mercy compound where Mother Teresa was working, and she met personally with me. I had my own audience with her, and she just radiated. She radiated the love of Christ, and she radiated compassion. And uh, as I talked to her, the thing that really impressed me is that it was not about her. It was about me. Here's a woman who has been with presidents and who won the Nobel Prize, who was world famous. And all she wanted to do was talk about me. That really impressed me. You know what? Mother Teresa was a reluctant leader. She stepped into a situation where she saw a great need and decided she was going to do something about it. And that's what reluctant leaders do. They see an opportunity. They see nobody else is standing up to insert themselves into this. So I guess I better take the initiative. That's what reluctant leaders do. We just say there's a need for leadership. Nobody is stepping up. I guess I've got to, and I step in. We see a situation. We feel we can address it. We believe that we can make a difference, and then we step out. That's reluctant leadership. And reluctant leaders make great leaders. It all started for me when I was a young man and I had my own rock and roll band and I wanted to have a band. So I became the leader of the band. <laughs> and then I was a Boy Scout. And before you know it, I was the leader of the Senior Patrol and I became an Eagle Scout. And, and then uh, my first job was uh, cooking at Shoney's Big Boy down in Huntsville, Alabama. And before you know it, I became the, the lead cook on the night shift when I was 14 years old. Because I saw that people weren't doing it as good as it could be done, and I don't know why, but I just fell into leadership there. My whole life I have fallen into leadership, not because I craved it, but because I saw an opportunity and a need. And I spent many years in ministry uh, at different settings and contexts, again, not because I volunteered, but because I was asked to lead. Reluctant leaders make great leaders. Let me share with you the seven deadly motives, the wrong reasons to want to lead. Power, prestige, position, popularity, pride, personal gain, or a paycheck. Those are what I call the seven deadly motives of leadership. We're talking about humility, really, and I think humility is one of the great characteristics of wonderful leadership. It's about them. It's not about me. It's about we it's not about me. And that's what reluctant leaders are. Number two, the second great trait of the kind of leader that people want to follow. And it's the trait of what I call focus on people. Focus on people. In my book, The Top 10 Mistakes Leaders Make, I talk about the problem of putting paperwork before 
people work. Now, I have to say, I am a driven man. I'm a German. I'm type A. I'm obsessed. (laughs) I'm not a workaholic. I have a whole show that I'm going to be doing in a few weeks on the topic of having a life and not being a workaholic. But but I'm a driven person, and I live by checklists and to-do lists and I am task-oriented, so it's hard for me, and I've had a long journey through my life to learn to put people first. The Confessions of a Type A Personality. If you look at my book, The Top 10 Mistakes Leaders Make, on page 58 and 59, I talk about uh, the struggle of putting people before paper. Successful leaders have to master great people skills. And the higher you rise in leadership, the more your job becomes working with people and spending critical time with them. And and yet the higher you go in leadership, the more things you have to read, the more reports there are, the more meetings there are. It seems like the more things distract you from just spending time with people. The greater your leadership role, the less time there seems to be for people. But the greater your leadership role, the more important people work actually is. I have learned that people are opportunities. They're not interruptions. Here's a little test I'll give you to tell if you're a task-oriented type A personality. When people come into your space, do you view them as a interruption? or an opportunity. Now, I'm married to a people person, and Donna, when people come into her space, oh my gosh, here's an opportunity. And she sets everything aside because she loves being with people. She's very event-oriented, not time-oriented, but I'm totally time-oriented. So my natural tendency is to view them as an interruption and I've learned that they they are a uh, they are really an opportunity. It's only through association that there is real transformation with people. We have to spend time with people in order to to see them change, and and that's what leaders do. They try to influence people for good and for change. Albert Einstein said years ago, "I fear the day that technology will surpass our human interaction." The world will have a generation of idiots. Now, I'm amazed at how social media and our smartphones are becoming a bigger and bigger distraction from us spending time with people. And my only caution to you is no matter what you do, if you want to be an effective leader, you need to spend time with people. Today, we have an explosion of growing noise of technology distracting us from that powerful work of spending time with people. Here's a great quote from Sherry Turkle, professor of the Social Studies of Science and Technology at MIT. She talks about that there's no substitute for FaceTime, a solitude. A capacity for solitude is what nurtures great relationships. But in today's always-on social media world, our solitude has been replaced by incessant online updates, which both weaken our sense of self and our ability to create genuine friendships. All these notes are on my show notes at leadershipanswerman.com. What a great quote. We need to spend time with people. That's the second characteristic trait of a great leader. You know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Number three, the trait of vision. You got to have vision. If you listened to my podcast last week, you know, I I did a whole podcast on vision, but let me just say that's such an important trait. People want to follow leaders that are going somewhere. I just watched a segment on 60 Minutes on Bill Gates, the richest man in the world. 
I can't even get my mind around the fact that he's worth $67 billion. Not million, but $67 billion. And he, like Rockefeller and many of the other very wealthy people in the history of America, is spending the second half of his life giving away all his money. And that is more difficult than what he spent the first half of his life doing, making all this money. And you know what he's doing? He's putting as much of his energy into eradicating disease on planet Earth than he used to put into Microsoft and the development of software. He's the $67 billion man. And the thing that impressed me as I watched his interview on 60 Minutes is he believes he can do it. He and Melinda actually believe they can eradicate one disease after another. That's what I call vision. Bill Heibel says vision is a picture of the future that produces passion in people. Andy Stanley says vision is a clear picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. Now, not every leader is a great visionary, and be clear on that. If you're listening to this and you're saying to yourself, well, Hans, I'm not a great visionary. People would never accuse me of being a visionary. That's okay. You know, I think the twin brother to vision is passion. And people follow passion. If you light yourself on fire, I guarantee people will come to watch you burn. So not every leader is a great uh, visionary, but every great leader has passion. You remember the Apple computer ad way back in 1997? Some of you are old enough to remember an ad that they rolled out in the early years. It's called. It was called Here's to the Crazy Ones. I don't know if you remember that, but I'm just going to read you part of that Apple ad from 1997. It's about passion and it's about vision and it's about people who changed the world. Here's to the crazy ones, the ones who see things differently. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify them, or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Here's to the crazy ones. Well, that's the third characteristic, that of vision. The fourth trait of the kind of leader that people want to follow is what I call the trait of good delegation, being a good delegator. I learned this uh, years ago when I was uh, living overseas in Vienna, Austria. My wife and I were involved with a very ex exciting project of doing ministry behind the Iron Curtain in Eastern Europe. And I remember... Uh, we had a leader there that we loved, but he was a control freak, and he liked to make all the decisions, and he was a horrible delegator. A good friend of mine uh, was asked to, to do a major study on developing a particular project. My friend poured his heart into it. He put two months of research. He wrote a 25-page paper on the solution to the problem that the boss had challenged him with. He was so excited about the solution he came up with, so... You know, two months went by and he took his prized solution to the problem that we had to the boss. And guess what the boss did? The boss said, oh, you know what? I decided we're doing it a different way. So thanks anyway, but we've already got a solution to that. Oh my gosh, how do you think my friend felt about that? He was absolutely devastated. He was absolutely crushed. Here's four questions that every follower asks. What am I supposed to do? Will you let me do it? Will you help me when I need it? 
and will you let me know how I am doing? Those are the four questions that every follower asks. When you delegate a task to somebody, don't look over their shoulders every second. Don't micromanage the project. Don't constantly tell them how to do it. You have to allow them. You know, that's how you develop people. That's how you mentor people. That's how you develop people under you. You give them work to do. You give them projects and then you set them free and don't control them. Four questions that every follower asks. I'm going to repeat them again because they are so important. What am I supposed to do? Will you let me do it? Will you help me when I need it? And will you let me know how I'm doing? I will have a whole separate podcast on uh, the topic of affirmation and how important it is in the workplace, no matter what you do, no matter what kind of uh, context you have. But will you let me know how I'm doing? Not meaning don't micromanage me, but, you know, let me know, oh, you're on the right track, you're on the wrong track. I like this about what you're doing, this you could tweak. That's letting people know how they're doing along the way. The worst thing you can do is ambush them at the end of a big project and throw the thing completely out. Trait number five, and this is what I call the trait of a balanced life. The trait of a balanced life. Blessed are the control freaks, <laughs> for they shall inhibit the earth. And this is something that I've actually picked up from my study of Moses. Uh, Moses is one of my favorite characters in the whole Bible. And Moses was a control freak. He had a wonderful father-in-law. I have an amazing father-in-law, Mark Bubeck. And in a few episodes, I'm going to do an episode on the mentors of my life. And he's been one of the, the great mentors that just continues to have an impact on my life. My dad died 30 years ago, but I have an amazing father-in-law. And Moses had a great father-in-law. And his father-in-law was called Jethro. Jethro, if you look in Exodus chapter 18, you can find that story of uh, Moses and Jethro. Jethro is what I call the first management consultant in the Bible because Moses had sent his wife and two children away to live with the in-laws because he was so busy doing God's work. And one day Jethro came back. He brought Moses' wife back and his two children. And he kind of watched Moses work. And he was trying to figure out why, did, why is he so busy that he doesn't have time for his family. And here's what he said. What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Any of you feel that way? You feel like your work is too heavy. You can't handle it alone and you're just breaking under the pressure of your work. Well, you know what the solution is? Spread the load. The message of Jethro to Moses was to appoint elders, leaders unto you, and spread the load. You are not indispensable. You do not have to solve everybody's problems. Moses was a workaholic, and the cool thing is he listened, and he did what he said, and he got his life back. He got his family back. And he became a better leader. He led through other people. What was not good about what he was doing? He was frustrating the people. He was not doing a good job. He was neglecting his wife and he was neglecting his children. Why do we fall into this trap? Why do you fall into this trap? The pressure of the job, the pressure of our families, the expectation of our employers. You know, if you work for a workaholic, then he's going to expect you to, or she's going to expect you to be a workaholic. And that can be a problem. The expectation of our employers, money, making a living, pressure to conform to what others 
have and what others want, keeping up with the Joneses and the neighbors next door. If, I, if I've got to get all the stuff they've got, so do I have the status that I feel like I need to have, I've got to work hard. We think we're indispensable. We think we're the only ones who can do the work correctly. And that's known as being a control freak. One of my favorite leaders in American history is Ronald Reagan, President Ronald Reagan. And you know, some people accused him of being lazy. You know, he actually went to the personal quarters every evening and spent it with Nancy. He actually wrote Nancy letters every day, love letters, even when she was right there. He slept in. He didn't get up super early. And some people accused him of being lazy. But if you look back at the history of America in the last, you know, a century, who was one of the presidents that had one of the greatest impacts on our nation for good and the world? You know, Ronald Reagan helped bring down the Iron Curtain and the Berlin Wall. I think he was an amazing leader of vision. He had a little sign on his desk and the sign read, there is no limit to what a man can do or where he can go if he doesn't mind who gets the credit. Wow, what a great quote, Ronald Reagan. I am not a workaholic, and I love to make time for my family. When people ask me, who are you, or what do you do, Hans? You know, that's what guys love to do. What do you do? And then when we answer that, then we sort of judge and rate people and put them on a scale of importance. When people say, what do I do? I'd rather answer it with the question, who am I? And here's who I am. Number one, I'm a child of God. Number two, I'm a husband to Donna. Number three, I'm father to four wonderful children. Number four, I'm grandfather to four and a half grandkids. Got one coming. Uh, number five, all that other stuff. You know, what I do, my work. If that's your perspective on life, it'll take you a long way to being a great leader and not being a workaholic. I think people like to follow leaders that have a life, that are not one-dimensional, that they don't only work. Well, that was trait number five, having a life, having a balanced life. And finally, trait number six, the trait of what I call servant leadership. I will have a future podcast that will be totally devoted to servant leadership, what it is and what it isn't. But let me just say servant leadership is about being more of a shepherd to people than a policeman. There was a fellow who wrote a book on uh, shepherds. <laughs> Interesting book, A Shepherd's View of Leadership. And he interviewed some shepherds and asked this one shepherd, what does it take to be a shepherd? Sitting in his tent, the shepherd, you know, he stroked his chin and he thought a little bit. And then he replied, you know, what really matters is that you have the heart for it. That's what it takes to be a shepherd. A shepherd has a heart for it. My definition of servant leadership is when the leader cares more about the good of the organization and its people than his or her own enrichment. You care more about the people than you care about yourself. And some people are fed up with leadership in Washington and in Wall Street because it seems there's so much self-serving going on and personal enrichment and not caring for people. My wife uh, and I work with a great company called Juice Plus, and our president is Jay Martin. I love this guy. I respect him. He's been leading the company for 40 years. And here's his vision, to help as many people as possible realize their dreams. That's servant leadership. You know what servant leadership is not? It's not carrying everyone on your back, but carrying everyone in your heart. That's servant leadership. 
Now, does this work in the real world? Is this practical, Hans, this servant leadership stuff? I remember one time I was talking to a group of leaders in Chicago in a boardroom in this high-rise building, and, and they weren't buying it. They were thinking, if I, if, if I do what you tell me, it's going to be a sign of weakness, and people are going to just you know, take advantage of me. Well, if you've ever read the book Good to Great by Jim Collins, you know that he analyzed 1,435 companies to find ones that jumped from being good to great and sustained it over a minimum of 15 years. And you will know one of the characteristics of a great company that he found. This is a secular study, a secular book. He said they all had level five leaders. And you know the characteristic of a level five leader? Humble listened and learned constantly, put the company above personal goals, and valued employees first. That's a level five leader. Amazing. And that's uh, the, the sixth characteristic, servant leadership. Like I said, I'll have a future show all about that. Well, let me give you an actionable item as we come toward the close of the show. I want you to be able to take your own leadership temperature. How well are you doing with these six characteristics, these six traits? And they are on my website posted with the show notes at leadershipanswerman.com. The temptation is to say, well, I've got a terrible boss because she doesn't do any of these things or she does only one of the six. Could I just say, don't follow that temptation, but think about uh, yourself, how well you're doing. Here's a couple of things you can do. Number one, make a list of these six traits. And then number two, rank your success for each. Give yourself a score of one to five. Five is great. One is terrible. If you do 30, you got a perfect score. Hallelujah. You are awesome. I'd like to follow you. If you have over 20, you're doing pretty good. If you're between 10 and 20, you need some help. And if, you're, if your score comes in under 10, well, you need some serious leadership therapy. No matter what your score, I hope you'll keep listening to future podcasts because I want to help you be a great leader. I hope you'll take one idea that I've shared on the show today and put it into practice today, this week. Here's the quote of the show. There is no limit to what a man can do or where he can go if he doesn't mind who gets the credit. Ronald Reagan. And the leadership book I recommend to you today is Jim Collins' Good to Great. And that's published by Harper Collins. I hope to hear from you. Write me at leadershipanswerman.com and let me know the questions you would have for future shows. And I just hope that I can get to those. And uh, thanks for listening. This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. Please send me your leadership questions that I can answer on a future podcast. And I would love to have you sign up for my email updates at leadershipanswerman.com. Remember that every follower needs a healthy leader. Keep listening and learning and go out there and make a difference with your leadership.